All right, so this is going to be a continuation of episode 18. So just a little quick recap. Uh, we're going to start off, I think, with point number two on if we think Cardi is broken or not. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, and for those who are interested in the full thread, once again, check the show notes. We'll post the full thread that is on Cart Pulse forums at cartpulse.com and uh, go read the full um, list of items that we start discussing here. And it's a, a collection of thoughts from, I don't know, 40 or 50 different people. So um, a- enjoy it. Yeah, guys, thank you. All right. The next point I had done was lack of content, no advertising or marketing for carding. I don't know. What do you think about that one? I think if you're this one here to me is is a little confusing to a certain point, right? So you have people, um, um. Say, for instance, uh, our buddy Dan Jenkins, right? Yeah. Dan Jenkins is a guy who lives, you know, within an hour of us, who's reached out to people in our area about how to get to Jacksonville or, you know, what you got to do to run the track, right? But if you follow him on Facebook, this man is posting everything from racing carts in Europe to two cycles to four cycles to anything that has to do with anything of carding. And it's, he's posting all the time. You know, Quincy's the same way. There's, you know, uh, James from Carpools is the same way. Like, there are so many people out there who's posting all these things that if you ever want to get into carding or just put carding in on Facebook, you, you'll see these, you, you know, you'll see these things. So, like, the marketing thing, I think the marketing is why spend them money and trying to like what what are you gonna okay what are you gonna market in carding there's too many things to market right yeah you're not gonna see you know margay throwing out commercials to people to say hey come drive our carts like adventure landing you know or or you know that your regular rent and rent to drive go-kart places with mini with you know a mini golf course so like promoting carding is that you see it made on like mainstream media and stuff that that would be hard to do just because there's no like no definition of what like you have to run so like i i don't mean to, to backtrack but when you say spec series to me the only spec series is an engine spec series right like if if, if you said like you, you gave a, a great example the other day if you're running fcca spec me out that you know exactly what you need to do you're on this motor package with this tire, plain and simple. That's it. Can't do nothing else. But if I say, hey, I'm, you know, running a 206 in Florida. Oh, okay. What chassis do you have? What wheels are you running? What tires are you running? You know, it's like, what do you mean? You, you don't run the same tire, the same wheel package throughout the country. So how is it, quote unquote, a, I guess it's kind of a speckish kind of thing because if you don't if you have a spec me out or a spec e30 you have to run a certain tire in a certain region but if you don't want to run that tire you can go to a performance touring class or a time trial class 
It's the same car. You're just not, you just choose not to run that tire and you're in a completely another class with the almost same amount of competition. Yeah. So to me, that's, a, you know, a spec is spec. To me, is if, if Cardi came out and said, this is a, if Brick the Track came out and said that the 206 class, this is our spec class. This is exactly what we want people to run. Whether MG throws some money in, Vegas, Bridgestone, Smaxis, Dunlop, whoever. It says, we're putting our eggs in this basket, make it work. And Brick the Track says, you have to run this Van K front wheel, you have to run this Van K rear wheel, you have to run this tire, this tire, this compound. Boom, done. Yeah, Jorge, that to me is a spec class. Jorge said something um, a couple of weeks back, which was, you know, I thought it was awesome when he mentioned it. So AMR and Homestead, they did that, right? Their 206 series is actually spec. Like, everybody's running the same gear. You know what I mean? I mean, I, when I go race mm-hmm. dirt at Callahan, they're 375, you know, um, box stock, which is their spec series. Everybody's on the same gear, right? Like, it's, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Make it spec. You can pick your own chassis because that's just where karting is. Margay Ignite with their K3, right? Like, it's, I get Two it. series. Right. And they're doing well. And it's a ride and drive. And they try to spec everything out. I, like, got it. Like, it makes sense. They can market, um, you know, in that way, and it would be cool. Like, but I think as it relates to like the lack lack of marketing, yeah, we think of you know digital marketing, and within the the circles we're in, there's just plenty of it already. Um, I'll put this oh, out yeah. there. Uh, I probably get blacklisted for this, but I'm going to share my own opinion. Um, I can't stand all these like. You know, um, let's play some music and let's do like this highlight reel, um, play to the music and slow-mo everything. It's like everybody does the same bloody video when it comes to, you know, like, oh, here's my my highlight reel video. It's like the drift, drifting, you know, type video. It's like, here's the music. And then it's like, oh, slow-mo action, blah, blah, blah. What's the story? What actually happened? Who did? None of that. Like, like, okay, I'm not interested. Like, I just close them all every time. Like, get it out of my face. That's just my opinion. So if there are people like me, that type of marketing that we think is, you know, cool, because it's this awesome four-minute awesome video with awesome music. No, they're they're not interested in that. Um, The other type of marketing that should probably be explored is finding somebody who would be interested in motorsports. So we had a long conversation in our Jack Six group with about this. Um, you know, Scott and Kevin all threw out ideas like go to the car shows, right? People who are interested in automotive, you know, but they just don't know that karting is an option. I think that would be cool to do. The little I know of that so far is that it's such a like a poor return on investment for the amount of time that's spent there. It's like you have to really be committed to doing that. And you have to have somebody who enjoys already being at those things because going to set up a booth at a local car show just to see if you can get one person who is interested um, in karting. I mean, if I could get one person for every car show and there's one car show a month at the end of the year, I get 12 new people in our club. Like, that's the best win I can imagine right now. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not happening. So that would be awesome. But 
I just know that that's not the case because I have talked to more than, you know, five people in the last three months about carding. And it brings me to my next point. Like people who are somewhat interested in carding, but they're just not able to actually commit to it. So I don't know how to solve the marketing thing, but that's another one that's probably like a good topic on its own. It's like not just throw out ideas. Oh, go to car shows, right? Like Margay Ignite needs to be at, you know, the Indie Grand Prix because those people who go to the actual, you know, Indie Grand Prix, not the Indy 500, but the road cars racing, like if you set up shop there, those guys are definitely like, you know, racing fans. And you tell them, hey, you can come race here, you know, at the, you know, USAC Indy Grand Prix, which is kart race, and you could just do a ride and drive. Yeah, I could see that as being like an awesome targeted marketing effort that would do really well. But that's also such a big event that you're probably going to get a bunch of one-offs. You know, people come to arrive and drive. You get their butts in their seat. And hopefully, you know, that's that's the way you lure them in or kind of get them into carding. And you can keep them that way. But that it needs to be tried. It need, like, we need to know it works. Because you and I don't have the money to, to go do that. Um, that's not what we're, you know, we're trying. But... All of it takes money. So somebody has to pony up the money. So haven't wasted more time than I wanted to on this one point alone. Where does the money come from for all the advertising and marketing to grow carding? And once we figure that out, that may be where we actually start trying to solve the actual problem from. So, yeah. Agreed. That's how I feel about it. That was such a long rant. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it's point, it's point well proven. It wasn't, you know, something like rambling on. It's just, you know, people got to talk about it somehow, right? So, for instance, on the car show thing, you rent a booth out. A booth is going to be, say, $200 to get a spot that you want. And then, you know, you make your T-shirts and stickers and hats and, you know, whatever apparels you want to do to – for giveaways, right? So, by, say by the end of it, you go to 10 events and you spend, I don't know, a few hundred dollars per event to get 12 people in. Yeah. You did all this stuff and, you know, I'm not saying it's not worth your time of doing or it's not helping the, the series grow or the, you know, the sporting grow, but that's a lot of money you got to give to people who just, you know, repackage it to a Christmas gift or something, you know, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's it's hard. It's hard to do you know things like that. You have to find a, you know, I guess the right the right crowd, the right market for for what you're trying to accomplish. And in our area, it's just crazy because nobody knows that there's a free go kart track here in Jacksonville. That's nobody insane. does it unless unless you know. Or unless you're in carding or you know somebody who does carding, and I'm not talking about dirt because dirt guys don't even know it either. Unless you know somebody who's driven a cart on asphalt, they know about 103rd. Right. So Duval County is, I don't know how many millions of people, it's the largest county in the country, landmass-wise, right? Largest county, which is the whole city in the country. It's like third in the world. And I bet 
I don't know, 0.01% of Jacksonville knows that there's even a go-kart track here? 0.01. You're giving us, you're giving us a lot. <laughs> you know, I mean, just – I work with a guy – no, I work with a guy who lives three miles from the track who's north of the track – or, I'm sorry, west of the track and never knew us there and he's been there for 20 years. <laughs> never had a clue. I'm like, do you live right down the street from it? <laughs> I've seen it, but never paid attention to it. That's the little blue and red things up there, right? The there's like barriers or something. It's like, yeah. Oh, you can rent stuff there? Nah, man. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's a whole different topic for another day too. Yeah. All right. So I've got a bunch more. Let's kind of let's kind of maybe make it a little quicker. Um, all right, next point: tracks and clubs need more funds, um, or the barrier to entry is maybe too low. This was an interesting point. I think James was the one making this point, and I didn't really agree with him, but I could see his point, and it's actually probably true. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, if you say someone can come in and they can pay, you know, fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, um, yeah, I mean that's. It's disposable money, but like clubs need to need to make carting like something you're committed to. I, the reason why I disagree with it is there's just so many more options in today's world to distract one person's attention or a family's attention that I just don't think that the barrier to entry like being too low is a problem. There's just not enough time. Period. There just isn't enough time for families to like go carting. Um, and do the other things that they want to. Uh, I I just I don't know. Like, do do you think that there is a like carting is in essence too cheap, like too affordable? Which I I would disagree completely. Right? It's not too cheap. Yeah. Um, that, ah, this is gonna be a tough one for me too. To somebody who's never done like another auto sport, yes, Cardi can be cheap. Like my dad always, or I always thought the thing is like, dad, we're coming from, you know, $800 for a set of tires to $200 for a set of tires, right? And you think that your tires are going to last you the same as they do with your road race car. Well, they don't, right? Because you're on the track more because it's easier and more convenient cheaper for you to get on the track, but you're still spending the same amount of money almost at the end of the year in tires that you do a full road race car to a certain point. Okay. Yeah. Now when it comes to track fees, like this is one thing that maybe you, you could probably enlighten me better on, but two tracks that are pretty close to us. You have Roblin road and you have road Atlanta, right? Road Atlanta is almost $200 more for the race, you're getting almost the same amount of track time. Is it for us? You have to travel farther, but for some people, it's shorter. Then you do roadling. Well, they both have showers. They both have power. They both have amenities. They both have everything you want. Actually, as right? a total side note, Road Atlanta um, charges at least NASA way more to have power. So we're on the support paddock side. There's limited power. Only like. 15 total power outlets yeah. compared 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have tons. So yeah, um, actually, Road Atlanta is, is. Jim used to make the joke. Um, Road Atlanta is the worst of the tracks we go to for amenities compared to all the other places. Um, but they charge the most. <laughs> yeah, but but it, I mean, it's Road Atlanta. Like everybody who's in auto sports knows that. Oh, did you do Road Atlanta? Yeah. Well, you drove driven Daytona. Yeah, but to me, Daytona is like I can't believe I'm spending you know, $700 for a race to come drive Daytona to eat popcorn and watch movies because my car just doesn't have, you know, the top end <laughs> speed to make things fun. Oh. You know, I'm sorry. I'm like, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I've never touched out of the concrete barriers. <laughs> um, or, you oh, know, wow. to the trial. Ouch. Ouch. Redo re, re, re some body work. Ouch, that is a dig. Ouch. <laughs> For the record, I have no, crashed at you... Daytona at the bus stop. That's what Andrew was making fun of me. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but still, like, so you have, um, which I thought was pretty cool that Roebling, I, I hate to use Roebling, but, you know, they, now they're starting to have garages, but, you know, CMP has garages, Atlanta has garages, you know, Daytona has garages, uh, Sebring does. Nope, I'll, I'll dig into Road Atlanta actually... once again. Road Atlanta doesn't have any garages. They just have the tech oh, shed. Oh, they don't, they don't, they don't, my bad. Yeah, they have the tech shed. And, you know, you so say, like, you're throwing out all this extra money for just shade. It's nothing, like, you know, super nice or whatever. You know, you're, in Daytona, you're spending a lot of money to not be able to put your car in the spot where you want to and your tools that your toolbox is on somebody else's toolbox and your helmet bag is mixed with somebody else's helmet bag because everybody wants to run Daytona because it's Daytona. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that that's my whole thing of is carding too cheap. So let me yes see, let me see this. No. Um, so part of the, I, I kind of wanted to let you run with it for a little bit. Part of, part of what James was getting at was that the tracks need to make more money, right. To be able to do more. Okay. So they need I to agree. charge more. And I agreed with that point. Right. Um, 100%. You know, and, and yeah, it makes sense. That definitely, we want the clubs, we want the tracks, we want them to be able to sustain, you know, what they're providing. But at the same time, I don't think the price of entry, the club having, you know, $100 or 200 or maybe even $500 more, um, is going to be the difference maker, right? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's just, I mean, and when I say that per day or per weekend, um, like in our club, if we even, we doubled it from $30, you know, $30 to $60, the fact that we only have, you know, 30 people, you know, racing for the day or 50 people racing for a local club race, you know, that little bit, it, it'll help for sure. But I don't think that's going to be the difference maker with people knowing that we have a club race going on. Let's go do it. Right. Like, yep. that's not the Great. problem. Like, so that needs to be addressed. I get it. They are, but I don't know if that's a problem that we fix. And do the, if, do the clubs even want to do that or do the tracks want to do it? So we can't fix that problem. We need to go to each track that we, we already know and go, hey. How do you how do you make more money so you can make this better so you can reach more people so we can grow carding more? How do we start that? I'm not saying it's not doable. 
you know, what do you think? How so the you capital that? that yeah, the capital that OGP and put in, you know, for example, for someone close to us is they have live streaming. Mm-hmm. They have an announcer. Their announcer sits in a nice air conditioned, you know, um, kind of cabin. You know, they have paid track workers. You know, they, they have a rental car facility. They have a whole shop. They have everything there. Right. You know, to pay the extra money to go to a track like that, I get it. I understand it. It's part of the business. And then you have the sponsorships that come in. And then you have the nice trophies. You have a nice podium. You have nice dinners and lunches. Like OGP doesn't like skip on anything. Right. So I understand why people want to go to events like that because you never know in karting or in any kind of form of racing when you might be able to step on that podium. Yeah. Yes, you might be a second behind in sixth place, but what if fifth or fourth broke? Yeah. Right? And then, you know, third the third place guy got loose in the final corner. You just happen to be right there. So you never know when things like that happen. So if you're in a you know in a good fighting chance, why not go? Why not spend the money because you never know. Right. And I, I agree. So. I absolutely agree. I think, um, and everything we're talking about, we're just talking about it because I mean, it just needs to be talked about. We're not trying to change the world. That's not it. But um, nope. I, I look at it from the business side. If I owned OGP, and you know, not that that specific, but if I owned Track ABC, as a business, as a business owner, wouldn't I already be doing everything I wanted to do to maximize? one, my return, but also my customer retention. So like, is it me charging five more bucks that's going to grow carding? No, if I'm charging five more bucks, I'm covering my expenses, make sure everybody's taken care of, you know, and then if I can give more to my carters, I'll give them so they, they stay. But I don't think that ends up growing the sport of carding. Um, and I, it sounds like I'm just shooting it down. I'm not. I'm not shooting down the idea at all. I love the idea. Um, I just I'm trying to see how we actually get it into action. Like if I if I say all these kind of not necessarily negative, but if I point out the parts that I'm struggling with to see how we make an immediate impact, maybe as we talk through it, we'll see a big light bulb. But I'm not seeing a light bulb that says. Okay, let's write this proposal to all the tracks within, you know, five hours from us that we go to and say, you guys as tracks need to do more to grow the sport. So point number one, or not to you guys, um, we would like you guys to do more to grow the sport. So point number one, let's increase the fee so there's more money for marketing, advertising, you know, that sort of how I feel if you were to like wrap this up with a bow, this is exactly how it, it ends up coming out as. And is that something that a, like the tracks need from us as a community? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but I just don't see how that's one that grows carding right now. And I may be too short sighted, but all right. We talked about that at length. Okay. Next point. This was kind of my own summary of it. Um, but I think we touched on it briefly. The cost of karting are ridiculous compared to other sports. That's not exactly true. It's just, I think what I was trying to summarize, and I just maybe didn't put it well, is 
people were talking about other things that can be done um, on a given weekend that you can spend your money on. And it just doesn't have, you know, as high, like you don't need to go buy, a, like our two friends just did this week to get two new Eagles. That's, you know, a $2,600 chassis, $1,000 motor, whatever extras you get with it as upgrades. I mean, not two of our friends just had to spend four grand. Yes, they spent like three weeks ago to get their carts this week, but they had to spend four grand to just get started carting, right? Like, we we try to advocate. Not everybody has to do that to start, but I also have five people, right, that we're talking about, and not giving out names, but you know, we have a, a we have two father and son combos. And we have another one of our friends who's, you know, busy trying to, to sell off some stuff because, you know, some water, you know, sort of water damage from the hurricane last year. Long and short of it all is even trying to find them like affordable, ready to go packages of $1,500. When they pop up, they're not ready to, to get into it. And these are the people who want to be carting with us right now. And if they can't afford that, right. then, I mean... There's nothing we can do about that. Like, there's no way to fix that problem. Like, there's there's nothing else we could do. I mean, how do you solve that problem of people who love carding but can't afford to do it? I mean, I yeah, I, that's that that goes to like a personal level on how much somebody wants to just. I think a good example of this, which I don't know if you you better follow this or not, but have you ever followed RC car racing? Yeah. Okay, people who do RC car racing probably spend more money in a little RC car than any dirt racer you could ever think of, oh, or drag racer you could ever think of. Absolutely, I mean, they break those things like every other. Well, when people, yeah, when people talk about toys. Yeah, this is the ultimate toy, right? So yeah. you're having these cars are doing 80, 90, 100 miles an hour, depending on what you're doing, going around a track or straight line on water, whatever, right? Yeah. So if you want to get into these things, you can go to your local hobby shop and you see, you know, a car that you like, you know, an RC car, it's, you know, $500 starting off. It's like, well, this always says it does 40 miles an hour. The guys I see are doing 80. Well, you have to get the alcohol motor and you know, so forth and so on. So the personal budget of somebody is, is always different. Right. But my advice for somebody who's in carding, who wants to upgrade to something, right? Whether you think if you're not losing, this is hard for me to say, but if you're not losing positions or if you're not losing races by a 10th or less of a second, not, not per lap, right. And a 10 lap, feature i'm probably like come to the finish line where you just absolutely can't pass that person in front of you no matter how hard you try within a tenth of a second yes maybe you need to upgrade to something whether it's tire a chassis a spindles whatever but if you're riding mid-pack and you are in no man's zone and just racing by yourself at every event you buying a new set of tires for each each race isn't going to work you buying yourself new axles, new spindles, new, uh, you know, trying to upgrade sprockets or uh, buy yourself motors because you see somebody in front of you that you just can't catch. They're like, oh, man, they're way faster than me. I need to spend more money. 
No, you don't. You need to just put your butt in the seat and go out there and drive your track. Spend the money in your track time. Don't spend the money in the hardware to do it because it's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to get you more lost and more frustrated. So like that's my thing of people wanting to spend or get in a karting, and they think that as soon as they hop in a cart and they pull a string, you're going to win. No, it's not going to happen. Because you don't know who you're racing against, how long they've been racing so far. So when you talk to people, they're like, oh, yeah, I've been doing it for 15 years. Well, uh, this is your first time on the track. That's what you're not catching that person. Right. You know, in 15 weeks, maybe 15 months, you know, it's not going to happen. You have to spend the time, your own personal time, which is going to cost you money because you could possibly be doing something else, whether it's taking time away from your family, whether it's, you know, you're not having, you know, a side business or whatever it is to go have fun and learn. Yeah. And so that that's like my, that's my whole view of carding can be expensive. Carding can be as expensive as you want it to be. You can always buy people's takeoffs. You can always buy people's used stuff. You can always buy people's, um, you know, whatever, right? There's always used stuff for sale. It's, where do you think you're at in your own personal psyche on your like fun meter? Are you having fun or do you want to be competitive? If you want to be competitive, okay, maybe buying used tires, you need to stop and buy a new set of tires and see what you can do. But if you're spending, if you're turning the same exact lap times within, you know, a tenth of each other on a brand new set of tires and the old used set of tires you got from the shed, what's the point of spending the extra $225 for the new tires? Right. You can't maximize what you have. So, you know, it just goes back to the point where you can make carding as expensive as you want it to be. And we, meaning we both fell into that hole. It's like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do that. Well, we need to buy the best motors. Well, do we really? And we always talk ourselves out of it because, you know, <laughs> we know that we can't be that consistent enough to do it. Right. You know, it's just not one lap that by that in our level, it's not one lap that makes you win or lose a race. A race is eight laps, 10 laps, 12 laps, 15, 30, 60 laps. You know, it's all those laps together is what makes you win or lose a race. Not, Oh man, that's when the fastest lap of the day. Well, yeah, that was on lap three. Well, you know, the race was 15 laps. What did you do for the other 14? Mm-hmm. You're two tenths off or a tenth off for each lap. <laughs> Times that by 14. Right. And people want to know why they're two seconds off pace. Well, that's why you're two seconds off pace. I mean, that's, that, that's something, you know, I don't mean to, to offend anybody or make anybody bad, but that's just a realistic of carding. Sorry. all right so um the next thing was and this is a summary if you're in the thread it makes sense 206 is great but not everyone wants to race in this lowest class and i think that that summary was that the 206 allows like it solves a lot of the problems with people one getting into carding not knowing what to get um you know it's way more affordable than any other class and um, Tom, you know, Christopher from USPKS, um, was it, uh, sorry, Scusa. I don't know why I say USPKS. They, they yeah, run Scusa. But Tom from Scusa also <laughs> had, um, you know, James from Cart Poles had pulled out just a section about that from 2X and we shared on the, on the Cart and Dads, 
uh, Facebook, the video where he says, yeah, the 206 is great. He loves what it's doing. It's just not, you know, what he's looking for, right? Like his scooter and, and carding for him is completely different breed. And they want to put on the biggest, wildest, craziest show and spend the biggest bucks. And, and that's cool. And to his mm-hmm. point, right, the 206 is, is good. It gets people interested in um, into carding, but... There, I mean, a lot of people don't want to be racing the slowest class. I mean, you, you, people want to drive fast things. Like car people or, or racing people, automotive uh, no. people want fast things. <laughs> you and I want fast things, right? I agree, but that, there's a reason why there's you know 60 plus cars in Spec Miata or Spec E30, and there's only you know 21 in ST1, <laughs> you know, or STU, you know. However, whatever class you want you want to, to do, you know, there's, there's a reason why there's more cars in a slower class or more cars in slower class than there are in the Ultimates because, you know, a GT1 car, an SCCA, that's not a cheap car. Right. But, it's, but you know, a, a Spec Miata, don't get me wrong, or an E30, is, you know, is not a cheap car either, but it's more affordable with more people you can race with. Right. So why am I going to spend six figures to go run a GT1 car or GT2 car or ST1 car when I can spend, you know, 20 grand or whatever it is for a whole year and go race you know, 40, 50 people. So how do we, I guess, <coughs> is there a way to just to, to solve or answer or tackle that issue, right? The 206 is great, but not everybody wants to race in the slowest class. Um, I, what, what, mm-hmm. One thing I don't understand is why every – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, is, is like two tackle guy goes, I can't, I can't stand the sound of a four-cylinder. Okay. You don't think it's obnoxious that you have to start your engines and rev them for freaking 45 minutes to get them hot and just, you know, fill the paddock with smoke. Oh, race fuel, smell it. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. Okay, you don't think that's obnoxious to other people? You know, it's just like I, I don't. I think that's just a weak excuse. Oh, the sound of a four or a four cycle is just so bad. Really, dude? Um, I like, can't. Honestly. I can't hear the world when I put my helmet on. <laughs> I guess I'll tell you, exactly. Go, go get a better helmet with better ear cups, and you won't hear Jack. <laughs> right? I mean, put earplugs yeah. in. I don't know. Like, once you're racing, you don't hear it. You just need to know that you're going. Like. Exactly. I, I mean, I don't exactly. start my motor unless I'm racing. So, hey, I don't hear it. <laughs> yeah. hey, for instance, um, I hate to bring this up again, but like with NASA, right? When NASA's running all the HDB or uh, HPD series, you know exactly what HPD1, HPD2, HPD3 is out because, you know, HPD1s are for, be, you know, beginners who are driving their stock cars. So, yes, when you don't want to hear race cars all the time, you want to actually have a conversation with somebody you're sitting next to, you know when HPD1's out. You know when HPD2's out. They're like, oh, the noise is getting a little bit louder. I think, I, I think it's probably DE3 or maybe Time Trials, right? Yeah. So, you know, if, I don't know. I just think, to me personally, it's just a weak excuse to bash another series. Like, well, the sound's just horrendous. I can't even... I can't even believe it. It makes that noise. It's like, come on, man. Dude, that's just, if you don't like it, you don't like it. You know, don't try to make excuses up for something that's just, to me, a, you know, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> you offended everybody that listens to us. My bad. Nobody will listen to our, our podcast anymore, Andrew. Good job. All right. So, yeah, we, all right. So, the last point I had here, and I'm not saying these are all the issues, but, um, you know, this is just what I summarized from, like I said, 60, 64 posts in one thread, right? Um, card, the current community is not connected. There's no ladder system. And I've heard this, like, multiple places. Um, once again, like, how do you actually fix it? Because I'll start on this one because I have a lot of thoughts on this one. I don't think we have enough days in our lives to cover the thoughts I have in a ladder system. But that said, like, if everybody needed to go race, you know, the same, you know, national race, right? Like, so that we know who who's the best, the best. Like NASA has, you know, our what we call like our own ladder system. You go through HPD one, two, three, and no matter where you are in the country, you know, you can go through HPD one, two, three, four. That's cool. You get the time trials. You go club racing, and then you know you get some, you know, combined events with other regions. That's cool. But whenever you're ready to to move up, you know, you can get out of freaking basic club racing and go do something like the you know, global MX-5 cup car, right? And then you can go on the Mazda Road to Indy type of thing. You, you could go do Skip Barber, you know, and do F2000. And then, yes, in car racing, you have those ladder systems. I get it. But with karting, those things have always been there. Like, it's not that there isn't one. It's just there isn't one for the average Joe Schmo. Like, if you want to go race, like, Rock GP and, you know, end up at Worlds, you could totally do that, right? Like, the people who want to do that, they find ways to do that. People have been racing, you know, all throughout. That's how we know all the best carters, because they've raced everything. There's already, you know, USAC's Triple Crown that they just, like, did. That's pretty cool. If you want to be part of this awesome system, go do it. Um... You know, they've always been carding classes. The age system has always been there. You can always start a kid card, cadet card, you know, sportsman, junior. Like, you could do those things. And then whatever, like, region you want to race with, whatever series you want to race with, go do it. Like, like the, the families that want to do this can always do it. So that's my take on it. Right. What's your take on the whole, like, carding community is not connected and there's no ladder system? Like, they're... Do we really need to have a unified ladder system for karting? I don't think I don't think a ladder system uh, might make more people mad. I don't think a ladder system in karting makes sense because there is no structure to it, right? So if you've never driven a go-kart in your freaking life, I have a 13-year-old son who has been to uh, Adventure Landing. Wait, hold and- on, hold on, hold on. You got a 13-year-old... I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I don't have a 13-year-old son. Hey, 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 for Ma- Ma- example... Megan, is there something we need to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> for instance, right? Yeah. I, and we've seen this before, you know, even in our area, is you have a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid who thinks they're Billy Badass, right? right. They, they have won... Uh, they've gone and did uh, indoor karting and raced against, you know, eight-year-old kids and won and bumper cars. They are the last kart standing at bumper car, whatever. Right. And you know what? My son does, you know, my son's talented. I like it. Oh, you have an X30 for sale? How much is that? Is $2,500? How fast does it go? 
80? Yeah. Yeah, my, my son, he can do that. No problem. Boom. Never been in a race, never been in a proper race his whole life. Right? Yeah. He's in an X30 that has, you know, 30-something horsepower to an 80 miles an hour, and he's coming up to a turn. Do I really expect him to stop? I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Is he just out? He's, he's kind of dumb. He's kind of clueless. He's, no, you know, he'll, he probably, he'll probably stop it. really early is what will happen. <laughs> no, but you know, you've seen the kids who just have no care. If you're on the inside, oh, I have space because I'm on the inside. I'll, I'll just use him for a bumper. Right. Now, you, you don't know if your bumper is a uh, 21-year-old guy, a uh, 30-year-old guy who has kids. You know, uh, like, for instance, Kenny, you know, Kenny, who's, you know, he has, you know, his kids are grown and he just, happens to love carding you don't know who you're pushing off and it doesn't care there is no penalties you know for kind of your local things for like obnoxious driving and so for me like a ladder system where you learn where you have a system to learn certain things right so one thing i did like about the nasa system is the structure of it on how you go through all your different levels of like your first level is you just get on the track and you just understand the track and you understand the flags, mm -hmm. right? Flags to me are very important. And Cardi and I don't think flags get utilized as much as they probably should, but flags are very important. Each flag station is very important to me. And then once you get up to you know your next level, you're more aware of the, your track surroundings. And then the next level, you're more, aware of you know corner speeds and how to control things and then you get into time trials where you know you're by yourself but you're pushing the car to the limit right and then you go to wheel the wheel where you actually have to learn how to race have a race craft i guess we say right a race craft well in karting you have to have a race craft right off the bat yeah you know and, and then you go to you know some of these local tracks where you know, you just pull a number out of your hat and, well, that's where you start at. Well, I've never been here before. And now how are you going to put me at P1? I've never been here track. How are you going to put me at P1? <laughs> and people are like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm up front. Yeah. Awesome. Up front. And then next thing you know, you have these people barreling down your, you know, your back and you're holding people up and causing, you know, could possibly cause somebody to run somebody else over because someone's not paying attention to hit a retire and, you know, break a collarbone or whatever, because, you know, no one's asking for any kind of credentials, what kind of racing history you have, you know, you don't have to take a medical or a physical or nothing, right. You just show up and drive. Yeah. So what's the point of having a ladder system? If it's that easy to access, <coughs> excuse me, if it's, that easy to have access to this kind of stuff. What's the point of having a ladder system? Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, that that's that's the a, a part of it that I hadn't thought about. So good that you mentioned it. Um, it is so much easier to to just jump in. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, th there's got to be a way to address it, right? right? We're just pointing out the obvious things that jump at it. So. Um, obviously inviting conversation on, on this whole thing um but yeah uh, i think i think we've we pounded it um we pounded it enough <laughs> <laughs>
It's been good, though. So, so. I don't think, uh, again, yeah, I, I'm not trying to bash to anybody or anybody's thoughts or anything like that. That's that's not the whole point of any of this conversation. It's just, you know, what I think is, you know, what I think and what you think is you think, and that's all it is. You know, people ask me questions on all the time behind the keyboard, but no one's coming out in a voice and ex- actually expressing in detail what they actually mean. Mm-hmm. So, cool. I don't know. All right. So for anybody who's interested in reading all this, like this whole, this whole podcast, um, book part one and two was just summarizing conversation that was had on the Cart Pulse forums. So the subject is the random, slightly unconventional thoughts on growing the sport of carting. That's a long thread. It'll just be in the description. <laughs> uh, go <laughs> yeah. check it out. Uh, if you have additional thoughts, uh, please share it. Uh, we don't. We're not in a position. We're so new to carding. Like it's not even funny. We're total rookies. Um, we're not trying to fix carding, um, but if we can contribute, that's what we want to do. And just talking through it, you know, we're we're seeing little things we could do here or there. But the sport doesn't seem as broken as we always say it is. I think we have ideas on what we would want carding to be, but the reality is there isn't a hold on that's actually going to change. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's really cool. All so, right. So uh, a little um, continuation of what we got going on kind of in our own personal lives uh, with carding is we just came back from Ocala. And uh, once again, one of us had luck and the other one didn't. It seems <laughs> like this is just starting to become a trend that's not very fun yeah i mean it's part of it uh, although i had terrible luck all day but i still ended up with the participation medal so that's kind of cool <laughs> true medals for everybody yeah baby um you want to start off your day yeah so um last time i went to ocala the longer the race went the worse my car got and i really didn't quite understand why and so we talked it over uh, a bunch. You know, we came back to Jacksonville, worked on things, and we think we got it figured out of what what it was. And I started going back out there, and sure enough, the longer the race went, uh, the cart got tighter, tighter for me. But this time it was very manageable. So in qualifying for me, I actually qualified uh, P5, which I was very highly surprised I could do, and. Um, Point two off the lead. So um, the adjustments we made worked. Yeah. And this might be a whole other topic for another episode, but uh, Ron kind of broke down like the bell curve of what our chassis is like. And we don't really know where on, we don't really quite know where on the bell curve that what we start our chassis off at, or which end are we at? Yeah, just just quickly, t- yeah, let's quickly like touch on that, and we'll do a full episode on that. But if you think about a bell curve, right, there's a range in which your chassis will work really well, and you could be on the very low end of it and get bad results, or the very far end of that range and get bad results. But there's a sweet spot in between, and depending on the day, you make adjustments to still stay within that sweet spot, right? And so, kind of giving a real example that I have. If you know widening your wheels, right, gets your cart freer, well, why doesn't everybody just widen all the way out, right? Because you could go out of that range of, you know, freeness that makes sense. So 
that's uh, that's kind of where that theory comes from. And I think we're finally understanding with each passing, you know, trip or race, oh, this is that range. And Ron did a good job, even for me, pointing out, you know, hey, you should be within this range. I was trying to give him specific numbers, right, for certain things. He's like, that's fine. Just make sure within the, you're within this range. And ultimately, that's that's what everybody needs to figure out for their own cart, right? Yeah, so once he broke it down to me that way, it made understanding what my cart was doing so much easier for me. So I would make an adjustment, and if it got worse, I knew I was on the wrong side of the curve. Right. Right? So, uh, yeah, we went ahead and made the adjustments for the final race. Um, I think I started P6, and I made my way up to P4 on the start um sorry barry but we kind of left you out there <laughs> uh, i'm my bad but uh, and you know i was able to uh to stay with that front pack for you know good hat about half the race or so and then i just started to slowly uh tinker off now the carts behind me weren't necessarily catching me i was falling back to them so when i came home you know, I looked at all my data and I looked at everything and I kind of didn't quite understand what I was doing until I talked it over with Ron again. And, you know, it's like, you got to, we got to try to make a different change to the cart completely to a certain point. So I ordered some new parts and, you know, did some more testing, did some more like research on my own on what, 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 what can I do driving style wise to eliminate that? So I came back home and worked on it for a while, and sure enough, man, I was able to get things working. Yeah, no, I, was, I was impressed. It was a lesson learned. So, um, dude, you know, but that, it's you know we we got to say this. Like, I think you get the opportunity to be in these big races where we can see your improvement. Um, and I've had those moments, right? I, I keep going back to that local race for wherever where I was actually battling for the lead and almost won each of the races that's cool but uh dude you driving out there in masters and i was running senior and i was sitting out there with dad and and dude you're like having your pops out there and we're cheering you on like nobody's business watching how how well you were driving i mean you were rolling in top four and honestly other than you know um justin checking out um Dude, you could have easily like any mistake, and you could have been in second. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was one of those races where, yeah, it's karting, it's a race, and um, you know, you just kind of stay where you are because you know if you try a bad move, um, you're gonna get left out to dry, and that's just kind of how karting works. You just stay in line until the opportunity presents itself. But dude, it was awesome watching you drive, and you know, staying there like you belong there. You know, it, it didn't look like somebody who's in just a you know starting the second year of karting you look like somebody who really belonged there, which is pretty awesome. So I was proud of you, man. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. And, you know, I was telling dad and, you know, I, I told you too, that I know deep down aside, like my cart was a podium cart. Right. Like the setup, everything was a podium cart. I just didn't have the podium talent to get it there. Right. So the two and a half hour drive on the way home, I was so totally cool with that, that, I didn't lose the race because I didn't make the right adjustments. Yeah. You know, I lost the race because the cart was faster than me. So yeah. that's on me. And yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit it that, you know, they're, they're going to find something to blame. 
right? And mm-hmm. you know, me and you, we 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 know the facts. So, well, data if, uh, data doesn't really lie unless you want to tell a different story, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, it just everything just for some reason it clicked. I don't think I made one tire pressure adjustment all weekend. Um, I moved the rear tires just a little bit, but not much. I mean, everything. It wasn't big, big adjustments I did. It was just like minor things, and just it just happened to work, and it just happened to be in that correct area, and just went out there and drove, man. Yeah, no, you did, you did awesome, man. I wish, uh, I wish I had been in that, and you know, I, I kind of know I'm hunting for a second cart just because I don't really want to switch weights. Um, but man, I wish, I wish I had been in that battle with you. Although the truth is, my day was crappy until the last. Um, I guess the final, which wasn't awful. I was just trying to survive at that point. But um, maybe, I don't know, maybe things would have been different if I was right there with you the whole time. So um, kind of jumping right into mine then. Yeah, my day was it was terrible. Too. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so it was all just a bunch of mistakes. Mistakes that, you know, pros don't make. Mistakes that having, you know, the right mindset doesn't allow you to to make those mistakes so first session i got no times um why because on lap one my wheel came off why did my wheel come off it wasn't just the lug nuts thing um i've gone past that like i have my gun my impact gun in my hand and i all the time and he i know torque wrench yes i will torque wrench but torque wrench did not fix the problem it's just every time i buy new wheels and this is a trend. It's something that I'm hoping after this experience I'll get better at. Now I actually know is the fact that it was a new wheel. My old hubs have the little lip on them, right? And my new wheels just don't ever fit right. So I think I get in the habit of just sliding my wheels on, putting the gun on, and going at it, knowing that I went, you know, until it clicked over. But, yeah, my right rear hub for the third time on brand new wheels um just didn't bolt on right and i just didn't have the right sense of mind to pay close enough attention to it so yeah wheel came off so i was out for that then the next session i had no power um my cart had no power my cart was dying after i started it and it was only doing on load so i you know i tested my cart i fired it up i let it run for 5 minutes in the pits or whatever it seemed fine everything was good going out on track at the end of the first lap, I had no power. The cart was just bogging down and dying. And so it died, and then it just wouldn't start anymore. So I was pulled over to the side. Well, come to find out, my carburetor was all clogged up. I didn't find out until the next session, actually. So I came in, I checked everything. Everything was fine. So went back out. And so now we're going into the heat race. Um, went on the heat race. It was bogged down nothing so i'm you know going full throttle i'm getting no power and i i mean i'm thinking i'm running this thing super lean right get no fuel so i start coasting it a little bit um i think there were only six of us in class and first was checked out um, i had made my way to second third was falling back and fourth and fifth were probably the like podium guys who should have been in there but one of them, you know, broke down. The other person, who I think, I don't remember. But anyway, all of a sudden, I'm in second um, when I'm really driving at the pace of, like, fifth place. 
So I'm kind of like coasting and lifting on the straights and getting back on the power. Well, my chain wasn't perfectly tight either from, you know, trying to check everything on the cart. So every time I lift, right, I get this, this, you know, droop in the chain and I pull it tight and then, you know, with the throttle. So right before the end, I think like two laps to go or something like that, uh, my chain hopped off <laughs> from just like coasting ever so much. So yeah, I went from second to fourth. I think there were only four of us left in the race at that point, but I was just surviving. Um, so yeah, then I started that we came in and then um, Ron, I was texting Ron, Ron to check, check your fuel lines. I checked the fuel lines and he's like, it's got to be the carburetor and I can walk you through it, but it's not an easy thing to do. And, um, you know, I could sit there and play with it, but with about 45 minutes or so to go into the next, I don't want to sit there, you know, trying to figure this out. So thankfully, I mean, I know you, you uh, got to uh, race Barry for a little bit. I didn't get to race Barry, but Barry came and saved me. <laughs> uh, I ran over to, to Barry because I knew he would know what he was doing. And um, I told him, hey, I, I think it's a problem with the carburetor. He comes, he takes it all apart. And yeah, there's green gunk everywhere, um, which is surprising because up until that day, I only run ethanol free in the in the cart, right? Just to prevent scenarios like that. And I typically drain it. I may not drain it right after the race, right? Typically I get home and I unload it, then I'll drain it. Some days I'll leave the cart on the trailer and put it in the in the shed. So I may not do it until two or three days later. But I typically always drain it out, even though I'm running ethanol free. But what happened was, or let's use this, what had happened was <laughs> um, when I went to see, uh, no, when I went to Palm Beach um, four weeks ago with a car, I bought, you know, I don't know, four or five gallon jugs, right, of fuel, of regular 87 for the car. But it rained and stuff, so I didn't really use a ton of fuel. So I had all this fuel um, that I wasn't using. So just to prepare for it, I put regular 87 in there just to you know get through it and burn through because i didn't want to keep my gas in these clear gas jugs for four weeks until my next race right so i just wanted to burn through them and where within that one week or so that i had the fuel in it after cleaning the cart completely down and testing everything within that one week either that was just enough chemical in that gas or bad gas or whatever it gunked up my uh my jets and stuff in the carburetor so um, yeah, Barry came to my aid, figured it all out, you know, helped me pour it out. We had to replace a couple of the fuel lines because the gunk was so bad in there. And we all know, like, you know, it's it's a 206. You could see everything on the cart. If it had been build up from, like, the, the two weeks before that when we tested, you would have seen it and said something. You know what I mean? Anybody would have seen mm -hmm. it. It happened within one week. And um, it was pretty bad. Um, so we got that cleaned up just in time for the final I started fourth, but ultimately I just wanted to um, just wanted to get to the finish. I mean, I just knew I didn't want anything else to break. I spent more time hanging out with the corner workers and the you know the retrieval the cart retrieval you know guy than um, actually racing. I mean, every session I was out after lap one. <laughs> so <laughs> or so I yeah. know that feeling. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So I just wanted to get to the finish. So I was kind of taking it easy. Uh, I jumped up one, made my way to fourth. I mean, made my way to third. And um, I was going to try to battle with second. He was a little quicker than me early on. And then um, I just, I couldn't keep up with him. I was trying really hard. I just couldn't keep up with him. It wasn't that he was just, he was driving better than me. It just seemed his cart was working better than mine. And truthfully, I'd had no practice all day. So 
I was just trying to find my bearings, which was, no, no, the final isn't the time to be doing that. So um, I got through it and uh, my fastest laps were like lap 13, 14 and like 16 or something like that or something. It was just like the last three or four laps were my fastest laps. So obviously it means I'd also gotten the tire pressures wrong because they came in too late. I just had no practice. It was just a survival. Um, perhaps I got comfortable too, just knowing that, hey, this is where we are. Let's let's put it together. So all in all, it was fine. I finished third overall, but apparently there were two separate classes in that group. That tells you how much I know, right? I just, I didn't finish anything. So I didn't even know we had two separate classes in that R350. There was 350 medium or senior medium, and then just another 350. But anyway, it meant I finished first in my 350 senior medium, even though I finished third overall. So I ended up with a, a nice little trophy, and uh, not trophy, a, a nice little medal, which was nice. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as always, man, we had a we had a group group, you know, the whole the whole gang was there. It was awesome. Friday night was epic. I mean, you said it best, right? It felt like being back at a, a NASA race weekend or something. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so speaking of our group, it came down to uh, two of us. In the group for the finish uh, with me and Quincy going uh, at it on the final lap. So I was ahead of him and I knew somebody was on me. I just didn't quite know who it was. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a lap traffic coming, coming around. And uh, I was able, when I went into the uh, chicane turn that they have over there, I had to choose a different route because that lap car was in my way yeah. and Quincy timed it just perfect. And he passed me and I just happened to be on the inside for the next turn. Yeah. And I was able to like do like a little crisscross move and get it back. But that, that was, that was awesome. I mean, props to Quincy. Cause the last time he went out, I think he was getting lapped. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back and I think we finish six or seventh or six, fifth and sixth, something like that. Right. So, I mean, our times are almost identical. And uh, no, that was a lot of fun. That you know, to me, it, yes, everybody wants to win a race, but if you could race somebody at for any spot, mm -hmm. it makes your day worth it. So no, that was a lot of cool. So props to Quincy. Yeah, you guys, you guys put on a show, man. I mean, it just for us knowing you guys, right? Again, it's awesome. I'm, we're watching a race of I don't know, eighteen people, and eight of the people in the race are our closest friends. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it's, you're just watching every awesome little batter here or there. And, uh, yeah, it was fun watching you and Quincy at it, for sure. I enjoyed it. I think I recorded a few sections of that, too. Uh, hopefully one of these days I'll actually get back to my camera and pull it out, and you and I can uh, can look at that. So it was awesome. Gotcha. Cool. Well, um, I know we've got a, a few, like, practice days and things that uh, we can probably talk about for the next recording. And things like we talked about, the bell curve and uh, of finding that sweet spot, um, taking notes, some checklist adjustments that I'm having to make on my side, um, that sort of thing. So, man, we got a lot coming up we got to talk about in the next episode. Oh, yeah. I look forward to it. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, let's wrap this one up uh, since uh, I know it's, we're getting closer to an hour each episode now. So, <laughs> Yeah, they're getting longer, which is a good thing. Yeah, cool. All right, brother. So, uh, all right, man. Take it easy. See ya. Bye.